When you think of great duos, who do you think of? Jordan and Pippen or LeBron and Dwayne Wade. I mean, I talk about basketball a lot here on this podcast, but for the Barcelona version, there's PK and Puyol or PK and Mascherano or the easy example of Xavi and Iniesta. And as you can hear from my voice, the perfect teammates aren't just professional athletes. It's cold season. I guess the flu and cold medicine, perfect teammates as well. But in this case, when it comes to growing your business, that's you and Shopify. Shopify is a global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. To be honest, I've been doing this show long enough. And as I mentioned, it's cold and flu season. You hear it in my voice, especially during the holiday season. So whenever it comes to this business, anything that I can set up and kind of have working in the background that I know and can trust is just plugging along without my attention. Those are the things that I really value at this point. So when my brain is foggy, all I can do is manage to turn on the microphone, talk to the guest, or just talk to myself and get out a piece of content. Everything else, having that all automated or working in the background, that's been important to keeping me sane. And that's the thing about something like Shopify. What I do love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. So no matter how big or small, how good of a month or how bad of a month, things are just the same working in the background. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is a global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs on every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tbpod, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash tbpod now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash tbpod. Welcome to episode 327 of the Barcelona Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Dan Hilton, and today we've got some listener questions for you, which is why I brought the man who asks me usually the tough questions, so I thought it'd be fitting to have him get some of those tough questions. How's it going, Levon? Ah, oh, man, the tough questions I ask you are always rhetorical, man. <laughs> <laughs> the, t- the toughest, the hardest, of course, of course. All right, so let's start with actually one of the harder questions, as I was trying to answer these beforehand and do the prep. Poncho asked, which player would you say is the biggest winner or best player this season and who has had the biggest drop-off? And I'm wondering if we have the same player here. So the thing that I'm wondering about that question is he's talking about Barca players or just in general? I mean, like I, I would Liga assume, players or Barca players or players no, in I, world I would football? I was assuming he's talking about Barca players only. I will also add the disclaimer and caveat here that if you did ask a question, I warned you in the Facebook messenger group that Levon was my guest. So you have to understand that he's going to question your question, then he'll answer your question. <laughs> of course, that's the order. So just want to set that disclaimer up right at the beginning. So Poncho, you get the first treatment. So yeah, I think he, he meant Barca player. Then yeah, who is the biggest winner or best player? I had a tough one with this one. I mean, even, even choices, even the choices that I'll, I'll throw at you that I went through was I thought Memphis was good to start the year having to do everything and score the goals and be the man up top. I thought Araujo has had his moments for sure, particularly under Kuman actually. And then PK and Busquets, they picked up their level under Xavi. They've had good moments. Alba's had good moments, but again, they've all had their issues. PK, Busquets, and Alba have had their bad games too. So I had to go 
believe it or not, even though he has not played much at all, is Pedri because Barcelona is just better. I know he has not played a lot and he has not been the reason why Barca are wherever they're at, the top four. But I think he's been Barca's best player consistently when he's on the field. And best player, again, is a little bit of, you know, different guys are asked to do different things. But I'd say as a player who has given you a consistent high level each and every game he's been on the field, I think the expectation for Pedri has been the highest of every moment he's been on the field. But I get actually with the exception of, of Ansu, but in Ansu's case, I'm actually punishing him for not being totally available. But even when he was available, he had his big moments, but it was also a few games where he didn't really do much of anything. So Pedri was my pick. Do you have a different one? Um, I mean, I think neither Ansu nor Pedri can be in the contention for best player of the season if they only played a couple of games. Yeah, that's Come totally on. fair. Uh, uh, let's be serious here. Yeah. Um, the, the best player is difficult. I, I know the winner. Like, if you ask me who won this season, mm. and, and that's Gavi, because, you know, to, to be a 17-year-old yeah, kid yeah. Yep. and just explode onto the scene like that, like, it's unprecedented. Wow. Wow. Yeah, no, I think you're right. I you think know? you're right. Wow. Best player and biggest winner, I think, for sure, Gabby's, uh, Gabby's the biggest yeah. winner, 100%. Yeah. And then the yeah. second part of that question was biggest drop-off. Who's had the biggest drop-off? And I think you and I might have the same answer for this one, too. I... I'm not sure. I think this is the first season that, you know, beyond uh, knee-jerk takes on uh, Barca Twitter, that Ter Stegen, Ter Stegen's position in the team has come under pressure, where if he had continued uh, with the same type of performances that we had seen until fairly recently, because, you know, I must say the last month, six weeks or so, he's been he's been okay. But if he had continued the way that he's, he was playing the first couple of months of the season, then you would really have to wonder if, uh, if the club was going to sell him or not. Yeah, I, I would have to agree with that. I think he's, his last month has been better. And I, so I think we've almost re-forgotten that he was struggling more than he ever has almost in that month or two. So the way I, I viewed this question was, you know, going through every single player up and down the squad list. They've, I think all of them have had good games or bad games. So I thought on players that were part of the squad and were and basically have just been pushed to the peripheral now. And so I think, unfortunately, you know, me with with Des, I think, unfortunately, the answer might be Des or Mangetha because they went from being members of the squad. Des in particular was hashtag dream team. And then Des all of a sudden was supposed to be sold in January. And then Mangetha went from being in the team to the club saying, hey, you should probably get the, you know, take on a loan to Valencia. The player refused. So now he's just going to sit on the bench. And is, especially with the names we'll talk about later who are rumored for the summertime, certainly Mangetha probably does not have a spot in the squad moving forward, even though he is one of those many, many, many La Masia players. And, and then to that point, too, he may not be on the field, so I can't punish him. Almost the opposite of what I did with Pedri. But Sergio Roberto went from being your third captain to, I mean, seems like the club is really considering whether or not they're going to renew him at all because the whole thing about renewing him was getting his salary down far enough where you could register the players you needed to. But because he never had to take that salary reduction and they were able to use Umtiti's salary reduction to register the January signings, now you just have a player on high wages who you don't need to renew anymore, which is, again, it's interesting. It, and if it was any other player that wasn't a Catalan captain or someone like that, I think there would be a much more, there'd be much more, more of an acceptance of saying, hey, the club's going to let him leave on a free because he's on too high a wages and he doesn't give you what he needs to. He also hasn't played for two years. And so I think if it was any other player, then it would be something but clearly, obviously, Roberto being a Catalan captain is seen, coming from La Masia is seen as this, this totem, this figurehead more than he actually is on the field, I think, by the club. And the club is starting to, to, to reanalyze that, I think, at this point. So I think I'd have to go with Roberto, unfortunately, for off the field, at least not on the field, because he hasn't been on the field. And when he has, he's 
I, I don't think it's been his year either. He's either getting hurt or not up to it. Mingeza. Mingeza is an excellent call because Mingeza went from somebody who all of a sudden was seen as a valued member of the team who, of course, with time is going to become even better than the previous season. I'm not saying that he was a star player last season, but you know he did seem like, okay, hey, there, there, there's something there and he can be a good squad member to somebody who probably will not be on the squad anymore because his level has just become, his level has really, really dropped consistently. Not a poor performance here or there, but his level dropped consistently. Cesar Roberto is injured for four months. So uh, let, let's see what happens after that. He still has not played under Xavi. I think that what will probably end up happening is the club will renew him on low wages. He's probably going to choose to stay at the club. I mean, he's made more than enough money mm-hmm. off of his Paris Saint-Germain goal to last him a lifetime. Yep. I, I also think that having five midfielders uh, of the level of Busquets, Frankie de Jong, Pedri, Gavi, and Nico Gonzalez, you want a sixth midfielder to have a sixth midfielder, and you don't want to have to play him all that much. Because I think Ricky Puig is also out the door this summer. I, I don't see him continuing. And I think it makes more sense to renew Sergio Roberto on two, three, maybe even four million a season than to sign whatever name of whatever midfielder is being mentioned in the press. Because uh, if you sign um, uh, the guy from, uh, from Milan, Cassie, Yep. then you still end up paying him $5 million a season. Plus, you end up giving him a signing bonus and whatnot. Uh, plus, you're going to end up giving him a five-year contract. Uh, and are you actually, do you actually need to play him right. with the midfielders that we already have? No. So it makes infinitely more sense to just renew Sergio Roberto. And, yeah. And, yeah. and if, you, if you view Sergio, and I've said this for a long time, if you view Sergio Roberto as a $4 million per year fifth midfielder or sixth midfielder and the backup right back, if that is his role, then absolutely. That's absolutely fine. Cause you're right. He's an upgrade on Ricky Pooj in that position of the sixth midfielder, fifth midfielder as Bruce gets, you know, continues to not continues. If he ever starts to get on the horse to, to head off in the sunset and then for right back. Yeah, it's true. They just have him as depth of that position as well. And again, he's a captain. He's well-liked within the club. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Yeah. So next and one. Yeah. To continue on that as an inverted right back, that would, be his, yep. that would be his perfect position because he's not a right back, but he's not really a midfielder. And an inverted right back is kind of somebody who plays both of those positions at the same time, right? So yeah, that makes sense as well. In a, in a three at the back uh, where yeah. he's been fine as a, as a right mid uh, right center back when he's well protected as well. Ooh, so, that well, I don't know. All right. Well, he's a little extended, but he's, he's done it before. <laughs> he's literally done it before. But all right, here's Dinesh. Hey, Levon, I know you went to Camp No against Atletico Madrid. So you saw that one. One. Did you feel like a beginning of something new, something great? No. Okay. Although we no. expected, <laughs> I mean, you don't, you don't need to get more. You don't have to. So no, I, I, I think there's still, it was, it was, it was, a. I mean, not being at the stadium, it was the right result. And my, my takeaway from that game was that they finally got over the hill of winning the big game, but surely of course, like in the big sense of things, it was not a club that was, I mean, it's not a team that's pushing for the title. It's a team pushing for top four. And they beat a team, another top four team, who's now, who just, not to say that Atleti's not having to fall from grace, but uh, I mean, do you think the last 20 minutes, though, also skewed the way you left the stadium a little bit? I mean, that would be the thing I would add to that question. No, 
no. I, I think one of the things here is that there are still so many veterans on the team. So, and, and, and some of them played very well uh, that day. So we had uh, PK who played well. We had uh, Danny Alves who played well. They, they were not without fault. I mean, PK was not perfect on, uh, on the first goal. As many people uh, pointed out, Danny Alves was almost entirely at fault on the second goal, which n- nobody talks about at all. Jordi Alba had a good game. Busquets had had a weird game where he actually had a good game, but he had terrible moments during that uh, during that game, which could have put the team. You know, if if Atleti had taken advantage of, then uh, Busquets' moments could have lost us the game. So when you look at a team that has four people who are uh, well in their thirties, pushing forty even. In the case of Dani Alves, it's difficult to look at it as the start of something new. We we do know that the rest of the team is very young, and you know at some point we will see like really the start of what this team is going to become. Uh, but I think that some some of the senior citizens on the squad will have to be phased out for for really that feeling to to be there. The other the other thing, and this is uh, like the the atmosphere to come now was was amazing, and what a lot of people will not realize or you'll realize it but you won't feel it is that it was like 50 days since the last home game mm-hmm. which in the middle of a season feels like 50 years like if you're a season ticket holder and you go to every game and then all of a sudden in the middle of the season there's like almost two complete months that you don't go to the stadium that's just eternal man that's oof that's rough that's insane normally like you go to the to the stadium two or three times a month mm-hmm. you know because there's a home game at least every two weeks so you go home away home away uh, and then there are all the all the midweek games so it, it was just this really really weird period where we didn't get to support our team for 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 50 days um, and then of course we were all excited because the game that we were back in the stadium was against Atleti. The the other thing here, and I didn't realize that until I actually sat down and the game started, I was like, oh my God, I get to see Pedri live. Yeah. You know, because I, I, I missed the season opener. Yeah. So I, I didn't see him in the season opener because there was, there was an issue with my, uh, with my season ticket for that game. And then the only game that I saw him live was against Bayern, in which we were killed 3-0. Right. And that, that game went south quite fast. So that game, I did not really have the feeling like, oh my God, I'm going to I'm gonna see Pedri. But, you know, it's been 18 months. 18 months that Pedri has, been, has played for Barcelona. And the game against Atleti was the first game that I sat down. I was like, oh, look at this guy. Look at how he moves. Look at how smooth he, he plays. And that was just a delight. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. 
Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you think of great duos, who do you think of? Jordan and Pippen or LeBron and Dwayne Wade. I mean, I talk about basketball a lot here on this podcast, but for the Barcelona version, there's PK and Puyol or PK and Mascherano or the easy example of Xavi and Iniesta. And as you can hear from my voice, the perfect teammates aren't just professional athletes. It's cold season. I guess the flu and cold medicine, perfect teammates as well. But in this case, when it comes to growing your business, that's you and Shopify. Shopify is a global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. To be honest, I've been doing this show long enough. And as I mentioned, it's cold and flu season. You hear it in my voice, especially during the holiday season. So whenever it comes to this business, anything that I can set up and kind of have working in the background that I know and can trust is just plugging along without my attention. Those are the things that I really value at this point. So when my brain is foggy, all I can do is manage to turn on the microphone, talk to the guest, or just talk to myself and get out a piece of content. Everything else, having that all automated or working in the background, that's been important to keeping me sane. And that's the thing about something like Shopify. What I do love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. So no matter how big or small, how good of a month or how bad of a month, things are just the same working in the background. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is a global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs on every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tbpod, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash tbpod now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash tbpod. Well, we know the stadium for the Barca Femini versus Madrid match is already set to be full at 85,000. But as far as, you know, you and I had spoken now months earlier and with the way that Spain is kind of coming out of the pandemic and how how much are places allowed to be filled or opened up the, it seemed like there wasn't as much enthusiasm at the start of the season to, to, to go to the stadium. But do you think that that stadium is going to have 75 K people there each and every week now again, no. or is there, it's still going to be about the same as what it was where. No, yeah. I mean, there was, there were 75,000 against Atleti. Right. And that that's one of the biggest games of the season. So I, I don't see I don't see this improving a lot. You know, there are maybe 50,000 people here in Barcelona who support their team enough to actually come to the matches. The rest, like, I don't know what's wrong with them. I don't know what's wrong with them because um, everybody supports Barca. Right. But very few people actually come to the stadium to support Barca. I mean, they might so, be like me, and they might they might hate being around other people in mm-hmm. crowds. I mean, I, I'm not a big I'm not a crowd guy. I'm not a big live 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 match guy. But maybe there's more no. people, more introverts like me, or maybe no. the pandemic turned people into introverts. I don't know. Well, I, it's I, not I, even 
it's not even being an introvert because you go you go to the stadium you don't need to talk to about anybody for for example like um i the previous right now i live next to the stadium but the six years before i moved here i lived in the neighborhood the same neighborhood that adama traore and jordi alba is from la florida which is 15 minutes from the stadium and I had like a couple of bars where I went to to watch the games because I didn't for the first couple of years I didn't have a season ticket yet and even for away games, uh, you know I can't go to the stadium for away games. So there were bars where I went, and there are people that go to the bar religiously mm-hmm. for every game, for every game they never miss a game. They're there game after game, year after year, since they were kids, they have never missed a game. They live 15 minutes from the stadium. Mm-hmm. They have never gone to the camp now for, for a match. Incredible. Yeah. It's, and I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not even talking about one person, like many people. Right. With those communities. Yeah. And it's just so weird to me. But it is also weird to me that there's 85,000 people with a season ticket of those 85,000 people, 25,000 people uh, uh, froze their season ticket because of COVID. Okay, this I can understand, but then you still have 60,000 left. It is just weird for me that those 60,000 people are not in the stadium every game. Mm-hmm. Like th- there are games where, sometimes there are games where it's it's midweek, seven o'clock, and the people will tell you like, I'll sit in the stadium and ask, are you coming next game? It's like, oh, no, because I finished work late and the game is too early. I won't be able to make it. Okay, this I understand. But sometimes the game is on a Sunday at four o'clock and there's still only 40,000 people in the camp now. You know, it's, it's ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, I, I know it says a lot about me, but I agree with you. If I, if I spend money on something, you know I'm going to use it. Uh, like, I mean, it's, it's the guilt. The <laughs> guilt gets me to whenever I sign up for a, you know, for a winter league or a summer league or whatever, I sign up for the gym or whatever. Yeah, I make sure I get my money for it. So, okay, speaking of the camp, no, let's keep that going. Rick asked, what do you think about the Spotify deal and the idea of a Spotify camp no name? And how would you describe the Rakuten era? Yeah, so I just want to plug, I did for, the, for YouTube, I did a video all about, the, we talked about the Spotify deal. I talked about the CEO resigning. I talked about all that business, all that news from earlier in the week on that YouTube video. So I want to send people that direction. And how would I describe the Rakuten era? I mean, well, I mean, again, for the Spotify deal, the big question is, did Barcelona, was that the best offer they had for their shirt sponsor and and the not naming rights of the, it, again, it's Spotify Camp No or Camp No Spotify, whatever, probably the first one, but it, it is that because it's the title rights, not the naming rights. So that it won't be renamed Spotify Stadium, but it'll have to be Spotify Camp No because it's just the title rights that I, I believe it's for three years and could be extended for as much as 20. The deal wasn't even done yet. So we don't, they're, they're actually, I'm not going to mm-hmm. speak soon because we have no idea what the actual, the deal is. But uh, the, the, I think there is a notion that they, the club I'm hoping, again, I don't want to get into crypto or get people upset here, but I think the club of what I've heard was was kind of weary of going full in on the a crypto name or, or, or in bed with, with a crypto company. And so Spotify might actually have been the best deal on the table. That is that is possible. Uh, uh, Alamani also spoke today, and he mentioned that losing the commercial incentive of a player like Messi did hurt in negotiations. And I, I don't want to downplay that either. I, I want to say that that is a real thing. That is a true thing. That if I'm a company and I'm like, oh, you don't have Messi to, to slap on? Yeah, I can't put. I could put my name on Messi's chest. Then. I don't know. What does it do if I'm putting my name on Jordi Alba's chest? It just doesn't sell as well. It doesn't, it, it doesn't help as well. And so the Rakuten era, unfortunately, I think is going to be seen. It was the jersey that they were that the club was wearing. 
I, I mean, I keep thinking of the checkered stuff, but even the checkered season that the club was, you know, they won the Copa del Rey. But I, I think the racket there, it will be, when we look back at those pictures, we're going to think about heartbreak. I mean, we, realistically, that's what I'm going to think about. I'm going to think about all those times when they were in a racket in Jersey and something went wrong, but it has nothing to do with the company because I, I think it's really easy for me to look at it and say like, well, that company in no way uh, of all the ones through the years, as much as people even love like the Coppa days or whatever, like the company and the Jersey sponsors, whether it's Nike or Coppa, whoever it was, like it doesn't actually represent the club. You know, like it, it is a moneymaker. It is a sponsor. And, you know, as much as I, Kevin Williams, I spoke with us on the other show that I want my club to keep their name uh, as far away from companies and, and whoever that might have committed human rights violations. And yeah, I'd love it if my club were moralist with the decisions they make, but I'm also a realist in that business doesn't work that way. These monolithic companies don't work that way, especially these international brands who can pay to put their names on the front. They're, they're, there's evil and there is dirt and every rock that you can uncover. But yeah, I don't know. The Rakuten era, I don't see it as the sponsor. I see it as, unfortunately, they were the sponsor when <laughs> some things went wrong for the club, to put it mildly. Hey. First, Dan, can you do me a favor? Yeah. And repeat repeat after me. I will never say Rakatanera again. I mean, I, I can promise that. I mean, yeah. I, I, wait, wait, wait. Is there, is there a particular issue? It's, it's, it's a not a club. thing, right? It's not a it's, thing. It's, no, we, we, we are a football club. Yeah, there's okay. a Rakatanera. We're, 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 we're not going to refer to errors but by our freaking sponsor. Of course not. Okay. <laughs> of course Come not. On, Come on. <laughs> You so wait, so you're not you're you're not calling it the, the Luis Suarez era, you're calling it the Rakuten era, right? Is that the but even they didn't match up, I think Umtiti. Oh, that's what I'm saying. We we we, yeah. we we do not call anything the Rakuten era. Would you go or... with Umtiti era or Rakuten era? Which one? Because I mean, that's actually the same timeline. Call it the Umtiti Sweaty <laughs> era if you want, just not the Rakuten era. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so um as for Spotify, I mean it is what it is. Um, I, I do believe it is better than uh, than a crypto currency uh, on, on our shirt because uh, you know a lot of people lose a lot of money with cryptos. Is Spotify an amazing company? No, I will say that from from what I read on Barca Twitter, there are a lot of people upset about it. Uh, but no, nobody in Spain knows or cares who Joe Rogan is. Like you know, that's not a thing here. Here, here in Spain, people know Spotify because they stream music. And a lot of people like Spotify because of that. I, I read something that uh, when we voted in favor for selling the, the stadium rights, that it could only be the last name. So it could be Comp Now Spotify, not Spotify Comp Now. Mm. I am not thrilled about the idea of whenever I turn on the TV and uh, the commentators mention the stadium, that they mention the stadium with a corporate name attached to it, whether it's before or after. Like that does not excite me. Yeah. Um, no. do, do, do I care a whole lot? Not, not really. I mean, I, I don't like the influence of money in the game. I think that the football organizational bodies should do something about this. Um, I would even be completely okay with uh, boycotting the game if enough fans would boycott along with me in order to bring about positive change and limit the, the influence of money on the game? Do, do I think that, you know, do I want my club to be the only one taking a stand and thereby like condemning us to mid-table football? Honestly, no. Yeah. You know, that 
that might make me a jerk. That might make me completely wrong. But my heart is my heart is with this club, and I want I want my club to be to me among the best. Even though I don't like uh, putting sponsors on our shirt. Yeah, yeah. I think um, um, again the the business side of it, especially to be a quote unquote big club, um, you know, you have to say moral concessions are made. So, all right, next one is way easier than that last one, Levon. So, Eddie asks, would you consider a, a Dama Traore for Trincao swap, given that Adama continues to do everything that Xavi asks of him? Yeah, this one's way. I think this one's way easier. So, it, it seems like whether you want it or not, it seems like it's happening. Yeah, I, I mean, Laporta already said this during the presentation. So Laporta already uh, already said that uh, Adama Adama sacrificed a lot in order to uh, uh, to come to Barcelona, and that the club knows how to be grateful and will reward him for this next season. So it, it's already a given. I I also think that you know from from a moral or even emotional standpoint, uh, Adama is somebody who played at the club between when he was eight years old or nine years old. And I think he left when he was 18, 19, something like that. Yeah. He did not want to leave. We never got the full story of, of how this happens, but we got an offer for 16 million and he, we, we told him he had to go, which fair enough, that's football, but he never wanted to leave. So for him to come back seven years later for a very low salary and then a president who says at his presentation, that we will keep him. I would be extremely disappointed in my club and the way that we treat our players if we go back on our word uh, and and then send them back to to England uh, this summer, unless he plays so incredibly poorly that everybody agrees. Like, look, there's no way that there's no way that he can stay. I mentioned earlier that I I lived in the neighborhood where he grew up in, and uh, the few people I met who who know him all speak very highly of him. Like he's he's a good guy, uh, and and I wish him well. Um, he played well against uh, Atleti. I was right, and I think, yeah. so, and that's part of the argument that if he does that, uh, we'll see how quickly the league of defenders start to we'll say figure him out. But if he does that every single game, or at least eighty percent of that every single game, now things changed in the second half when the 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 switch was Carrasco dropped in deeper, so that meant that both Pedri and Adama had somebody, whether it was Hermoso or or Carrasco dealing with them. So that changed and Adama was less efficient at that point. But again, the positive silver lining there is that he was so impactful in the first half that the opposition had to make a change to deal with him, which means that someone else is now free farther, which is why in the second half before Alves was, was, was taken off 42 or 47% of the attacks for Barcelona were coming down the left side as opposed to the middle or the right, because now the right was a point of emphasis for Atletico Madrid, which meant that then De Jong was more free and Alba was more free and you had more freedom on the left side as well. So that then is on Ferran Torres to capitalize whoever's on the left side for that one. Okay, speaking of wingers, by the way, Eric asked, which all of the attacking additions made to the team, would it be best for Abde and Zucla to return to Barca B to play regularly or stay with the team to get the practice, even though it means little or no actual game time? I think this one's easy for me. Of course, uh, of course, you send them down. Barca B, to their part, I, I think they need all the help they can get. And of course, first team results matter more. So when the first team needs Abde and Jukla, they play with the first team. But I mean, I, I think is, a, is always the point. And you mentioned this too. There's a difference as well when players are on the road or at home. When players are at home, they're able to be on the first team bench and play for Barca B. 
But when the first team is traveling for a road game, I, I know Spain is much more than the U.S. for our U.S. listeners, but usually what will happen with when travel is introduced, those B players will just feature for either the first team on the bench, likely, or they just stay with Barca B, like we've seen uh, Balde do earlier this year before his injury. So, yeah, with the team being home a little bit more, I, I could very well see them be on the bench for the first team and then jump down to Barca B. And in the case, yeah, I'll throw this to in a second, but I would say that, yeah, it's better to have them playing with Barca B than not playing at all. That's always my my view. I mean, and Jukla is actually interesting where I'd rather have him being a warm body, not necessarily playing with Barca B, especially at his age, you know, being 23 now. But as for Abde, we know that Xavi does a lot of individual homework with players. And if Abde can do his Talea, he'll be in better shape to compete with Kayato next season for that fifth or sixth attacker spot. But of course, who knows how the squad will shake out. But I, I do think Abde can improve. And we found out pretty quickly the things that he needs to work on and we find in the third division. And again, Barca B is looking for a hero at this point. It's that old you know, Bonnie Tyler song, holding out for a hero. So if Abde can be their hero <laughs> this, this year and save Sergi Brazlan's job, then you know that'll mean that he's improved, I'd hope too, for his future at Barca. I would check out Dan Hilton throwing out the word Tarea for bonus points. Oh, thanks. Um, sweet. Only, only 12 years of learning Spanish to, 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 get a, to get a thousand words in my vocabulary, of course. So uh, I, I think the question was, should they play with Barca B or should they stay with the first team to train even though they won't get to play? But usually or often what happens is players can play with the B team and train with the first team. Yep. So that, that is not an either or, um, you know, play with B. And if they, if Xavi feels that they are useful for the first team, uh, train, with the, uh, train with the first team. The question is, for example, Zoukla, I don't think he's going to train that much with the first team because if you have um, Young and Ferran Torres and um, Adama Traore and Luke de Jong and Martin Brathwaite, who is back, and then and Gabi Mem- playing and Gabi playing at left wing. Gabi playing at left wing. Yeah. Memphis will be back at some point. Then there, there's no real point for Zutla to train with the first team unless you think that he has the quality to eventually make it into the first team where you want to develop him. No, I don't think that's going to happen. So then it's better for him to train with the B team because he's going to play with the B team. So it's better for them to be tuned in because why, you know, why... Otherwise, it just doesn't doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, Abde is still young enough that they might want to try to develop him, uh, even though I don't know if this is going to happen. We'll see. Yeah, I don't know if he'll get another opportunity like he just got again. I, I just don't know if that mm-hmm. with with Barcelona, especially financially, what as we've said many times, if this is their financial rock bottom, then they're always going to have money to bring in a more established winger at, at, at every turn. And speaking of Gabi on the left wing, question from Romy, given the stiff competition in midfield, do you think Gabi will be more often than not stuck up on that left wing, like Iniesta with the national team back in the day, rather than his more natural interior position? I, I And I think Gabi, I, it's difficult because it's a domino effect, right? That the way that Barcelona are playing, their system, their tactics, their formation, I, I don't know. I would also say don't, the way football is now, and especially Gabi being 17, as we continue to, to evolve, don't think of football as positions. And I do this myself, where I like to put people in positions, but think of it more as roles. So Gabi is a, he's an inverted winger as a left interior, and he, and he fits in as almost as high left interior midfielder, not really as a left winger, because you look at his heat map, that's where he sits, because Alba overlaps and 
unless that there's a big change and you get a left back that is more Abidal than is Alba, which it seems like Barcelona, when they're looking at the left back position, they want a left back that's going to get forward and right back would be the position that they want to stay at home a little bit more. So it seems to me that, yeah, I, I wouldn't consider that a left wing though. I consider it like a, a, a lamb, if you will, or a, a, a left attacking midfielder, because that's really where positionally he is. And that's where his role mm-hmm. suits him. So, and especially again, I keep saying it, Xavi, I think ultimately wants to go with a three, four, three with two high interiors and two and a double pivot. That's what he said before. That's what he wants to do tactically. And where Gabby is, uh, where Gabi is setting up now as a left winger is already where he wants that high left interior midfielder to be set up. So if anything, I think Gabi is going to remain positionally with the same heat map. Uh, I know I didn't really, I guess I, I think I answered the question. I think I did. Yeah. <laughs> I think I got it. And, and- and and the other thing is that if you look at this season, uh, and especially now with uh, with the new additions, so it it makes sense because Adama is incredibly good in one on ones, but he's not that great uh, on the ball. So he's not known for associated football, for example. Why? Because he often just takes the ball and starts dribbling, and then keeps dribbling until he either gets past two or three players or does not get past two or three players. Or sometimes he'll get past two or three players, but getting past them costs so much that he doesn't have the vision to then give you a good final ball, right? So what what you want with Adama, and this sounds very uh, counterintuitive, is if Adama is on the pitch, in order to get the best out of him, you don't want to give him the ball a lot. So what happens when you have Gavi on that nominal left wing spot is then all of a sudden on that left side, you... You have Gavi, you have Alba, you have Frenkie de Jong and, and, and Pedri, who is still very mobile. So Pedri is kind of on the right side of the midfield, but he still comes inside. Uh, you have Ferran Torres, who can drop back a bit. So, and, and you saw this against Atleti, where they just played the ball to the left, passed the ball around. When they didn't get an opening, the ball came back to the center of the pitch, passed it back to the left, mm-hmm. played it around. When they didn't have an opening, back to the center, and then maybe even back to the left again. And, and in the end, what that does, it, it pulls Atleti's defense more and more to the opposite side. Whereas when you finally give the ball to Adama, he has the space to, to, to take advantage, to uh, dribble past the player if he wants. The passing lanes that he will have or passing options are going to be more simple because the, the, that side of the pitch is less crowded. So that makes perfect sense. Yeah. All right. Well, let's let's stay up top of the next one. Ellie asked, and I'm condensing this question down. Who is your starting three up front, and why? And he also says too that could it should it be changed based on opposition tactics and uh, to reduce predictability. But at this point, Ellie, I think it's who's available. I think let's start there, and then we then we go from there. But yeah, give me your your front three. I I just have I think I have two permutations, and I, I'm a, I'm a little bit married to it at this point. But I want to hear yours first. I think there are, there are so many uh, interest, interesting possibilities. I really like Ferran as a nine because I, I, I just love his movement. And I think he makes the players around him better with his movement. So, um, but if everybody is fit, then I, would, I might go with uh, Ansu, Ferran, and Adama, if Adama keeps playing the way he played. Uh, or I would go with Ansu in the middle, Ferran on the right, and Gavi on the left. Um, but if everybody is fit, then maybe you put Memphis in the middle with Ansu on the left and Ferran on the right. So that Memphis pulls back a little bit, but he has those guys on, on, on the flanks who attack space. 
because Memphis has a very good th- through ball. Uh, and he likes to play off people that way, which is very different from the Memphis as a nine that we have seen in the first couple of months, where he does not have those people on the flanks that attack space. And what is then being asked from him is not something that he is comfortable with. So yeah, these are all possibilities. Uh, it also depends if Dembélé comes back. If Dembélé plays, then you play Dembélé on the right, uh, Ferran in the middle, Ansu on the left. No question. Yeah, I think that is still the ideal starting the starting front three. But I think Dembélé, because you have players who are going to be at the club for beyond, I think Xavi is going to be using Dembélé. He wants to use Dembélé. That's why he was on the bench. That's why he was willing to put Dembélé through the booze at against uh, Atletico Madrid. That's, I mean, during the during the warm up and stuff. So I think his days starting might be numbered, but I think he'll still feature that being Dembélé in the in, in the squad for the rest of the season. And so I mean, yeah, I don't know. I think Gabi is a left winger, or in theory, part of that front three. It's kind of what throws it out of whack because I had written down Memphis on the left, Aubameyang in the middle, and Torres on the right, or Torres on the left, which is his actually worst position of the three, though, because he's better as a nine, as I agree with you, and he's better on the right wing too. So, yeah. But 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 having Torres on the left also allows you to have Memphis or Aubameyang in the middle and Adama Traore on the right. So, believe it or not, I I'm saying like, what is my favorite is different than what when do I think we'll see the most often. I actually think that we might see the most often some permutation of Gabi on the left and then Torres in the middle and then Adama Traore on the right, or you're going to see likely Torres on the left if you rotate Gabi, Torres on the left, and then, as I said, Memphis in the middle and Adama Traore on the right. Yeah, no, no, wait. Wait. Uh, If Adama is on the pitch, then you don't put um, Memphis in the middle because Memphis does not make that run to the first post. Yeah. And sometimes, sometimes he actually goes to the second post, but he does not finish well when he makes those runs. Yeah, I mean, so, I, I think that brings so, up so, so, so the, the Those thing, two right? together is not going to work. But with Alba in the middle, yeah, you can put yeah. Adame on, on, on the right, Alba in the middle. And then, yeah, I guess you could put Ferran Torres on the on the left. But you can also put Ferran in the middle. Right. And Alba on, and Alba on the left. That's you true. Know, um, that, that works for me. And, and people tell me, well, Alba is a striker. Well, yes, but I don't care. I mean, because, I mean, on, because on the left, on the left, he can use his speed. And space. Um, yeah, the can, wingers for Barca, he can, have and he can yeah. and he can attack the space. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and we're not gonna if he's on the on the left, we are not going to ask him to actually reach the back line and put in crosses because that's not what he's good at, uh, and that's not how you how you use him. Um, we will use Alba for that, but we would we would ask him to attack the space behind that defensive line and uh, to to make the runs to the goal, whether it's to invite either through balls or or when the cross comes in. So I, I can see him playing from the left. All right. So lightning round time. We got some transfer questions. We're four or five months away from the transfer window. So let's do the transfer stuff real quick here. Tom, what defensive players do you think Barca should look to target in the summer? I wrote down, I think the names that you're seeing linked to the club are reasonable. I think Aspilicueta makes sense in a back three and adding experience and leadership. Mesrari would be a long-term option at right back. And then left back, I mean, I think that position is pretty much impossible as I keep arguing about the, the Alba point that you have to hope that Gaia is willing to take a pay cut and force his way out of Valencia where he's the captain or Grimaldo takes a pay cut to come home from Benfica because Benfica will ask for a ton as a transfer fee for Grimaldo in my estimation, just knowing how desperate the left market, uh, the left back market is. So I didn't even put, Jotten asked, we need a center back and that's very clear. 
But I actually, I mean, yeah, Christensen is going to ask for high wages from Chelsea on a free transfer, but he's still going to ask for huge wages. But I, I didn't put a center back because it seems like PK might have been retiring. And I think I'd actually rather phase out Busquets first, believe it or not, uh, just the way that Barcelona wants to play going forward. So for me, PK Garcia, Araujo, and Azpilicueta, and maybe still Langley is a good enough five center back core next season again to, to, I mean, to make do and to actually do some winning. So yeah, that's why I said that the fullback positions need to be reinforced much more than I think the center back spots. So I'm sorry, how, how is it clear that we need a center back? If, if we play four in the back and... You know, even right now, PK has arguably been our best center back since uh, since Xavi mm-hmm. is at the club. Araujo and Eric also play at an extremely high level. So we have three very good center backs already. Plus we have Langley, who, who is also a decent, maybe even good center back. Um, you can, we can judge Langley by the last three, four seasons. Or we can choose to judge him on last season alone. But I don't want to judge him on last season alone because even this season he's been playing well. So you can choose to then sell one of them. You can sell Langley. You might get 20 million. And then what? You need to use 30, 40 million to get a center back that might not be as good as Langley. Or we can maybe uh, invest it in Christensen and find out that, hey, the difference between Christensen and Langley is not all, all that much. In that case, it's just better to keep Langley. What, what I would be intrigued by is if we say we're going to play three in the back and we're going to sign Jules Koundé off of Sevilla. And that's going to be our big signing this summer. And then all of a sudden, we, we look at what we have and we're looking at three in the back and those three people being Araujo, Koundé, Eric Garcia. That's interesting. Right. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, then it's it. Then you know you're done. Not say you're done with the position because injuries happen. And I, I also think that the Araujo contract talks and renewal, we have, I mean, I, I, I keep saying it now every show and nothing is obviously changing and it won't change for a few weeks or months potentially. But that contract renewal and those talks are really important to how Barcelona are setting up their summer. Let's put it that way. Um, yeah. Okay, so we're almost done here. Steven says, where do you think we are weakest on the pitch? And uh, I said that we're still up top. I think weakest, I think, and that is not about a Barca thing. That is more that the level of goal scorer drops off dramatically at the top. Unlike a position like goalkeeper where the variance of goalkeeper, I mean, even look at Jan Oblak this season, right? Where uh, the expected goals against for Atletico Madrid, they were always far exceeding or they were always outpacing their, uh, their expected goals against. And now Oblak, he looks human for the first time in a few seasons, but it's not because he's really changed or dipped that much. It's just that the balls that weren't going in last season or the last few seasons are going in for Atletico Madrid this season. And an Oblak just looks like the worst for wear. So again, the variance for goalkeeper isn't that much, but up top, I, I think that's why uh, it sounds simple, but goal scorers cost money and a lot of money because the drop-off is dramatic. You can go from talking this year about Benzema and Lewandowski, and then you kind of start to drop down a level and then you drop down another get- level and, then you're talking about the uh, Mobile. Like, it, it would would a Mobile, um, a Mobile be a player? The the Lazio striker is he somebody that would excite anybody? But then you look at it, and he has 18 goals in 20 games to co-lead the Serie A goal scoring charts, and he puts the ball in the back of the net. But that is not a name that would excite anybody. So I still think it's yeah, it's up top that it's hard to guarantee goals. 
it is. It's difficult to guarantee 20 goals from a player in a season or 25 goals in a, in a season. So I think even losing messy numbers still matters. Um, I don't think we need any, uh, any signings up top. We have Ansu and I, I would uh, play next season, uh, use next season to see whether Ansu can finally leave his injury, uh, injury woes behind or not. I would not make a big signing that would um, mess with that balance or that would block his development uh, or his role in the team. I think our weaknesses are our fullback positions, um, especially defensively. I don't really like what I see on the fullback market. I don't necessarily think that what is out there and available uh, will improve us all that much, uh, to, to be honest. Um, maybe Masraoui would improve us uh, although I'm also very happy with, with Dani Alves, flaws and all. Uh, but like I said, uh, th- three in the back is if, 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 if we're talking about get me one player who is of such quality that it will really improve us in a way that fits with the rest of the team, get a, get a top center back mm. and play three in the back because it's three in the back solves our fullback problems because we don't need fullbacks. Right. Yeah. Okay, in the midfield, we do not have problems. In in the front line, as long as Ansu is fit, you, you know what difference that would have made to this season and last season. I think last Barca season, would be, yeah, I think Barca would be second in the table right now. Maybe maybe first. I mean, if he, maybe first, yeah, maybe yeah, first. maybe first. Uh, yeah, and, and last season we would have won the league. Like, mm-hmm. there's no question that yep. last season with with Ansu, we win the league, uh, which would completely change how, how we went into this season as well yeah i say xavier had asked should we be talking about this team with a caveat that ansu is injured and i you know because i host I, I do what three youtube videos a week i do two podcasts a week you know i don't want to keep saying a billion times over like the guy who's not playing is arguably barca's most important player for the next 10 years if he comes back but that big if means you can't have that conversation but yeah i agree to your point about the the, the three the third, third center back and enhancing that position in that way. So, all right, last one for you uh, to see us out. And then I got one quick one for me. So Frederick asked with rumors of Messi wanting to return to Barca in mind, would that be helpful for the team? Uh, and these rumors are completely unfounded. He says rumors, but I think these are the farthest rumors that you could possibly see. I don't think uh, Messi's looking anywhere beyond the uh, champions league for PSG right now. Yeah. I mean, when he's back, he'll be what 35 or 36 already. 35, 35. I want to give a congratulation to Frederick, by the way. I, not that you, you didn't stump Levon, but you made him think about it. So a credit to Frederick here at the end. I mean, he might be a little worn down from other questions, but I, I think there's so many factors off the field, unfortunately, that you're asking about, right? You're asking about salary. You're asking about his desire to play a certain role. You're asking about his ability to play a certain role. Like I was actually talking to one of my friends who's a Manchester United uh, fan, and we, were, we talked a little bit about, about Ronaldo in the way that Juventus looked at Ronaldo, and again, this is two years ago, and said, this guy is just, it, it has to be about him. He just, it, even if it's not Ronaldo actively doing that, there's a gravity to him that just, like, it's just, we, we need to have this team not built around him. Now, Juventus is not getting great results with Adam either, but for Man United, it seems like as much as Barca fans have their thing against his PR machine, and what, because again, Ronaldo in existence is different than Ronaldo on Twitter and his fans and whatever that, but my friend said, he just showed up, he scored a bunch of goals and it's not great. The team is arguably not better with him on the field, but he also contributes goals. And Messi 
it's really that way though. You can't just plug this marketing, this commercial giant in there and then say, all right, you know, just stand up there, be beautiful, have your fancy abs and head in the goals and score a bunch of goals for us. And we'll, whatever we get out of you is, is great. And glad we signed you for that reason. The way that Ronaldo is kind of doing is he's aging. For Messi, it, it just so, it, the system is so important to the success of Messi and vice versa that that's that slippery slope that you're asking for. Because even in, I'm asking, I mean, Xavi wants to play a 3-4-3 and we talk about uh, whatever you want to talk about with Guardiola's ideals or whatever, uh, philosophies, Corfian philosophies. I think people get caught up in those things. But where does Messi fit in that 3-4-3 that Xavi wants to play moving forward? I, I, I don't see where you're going to put Messi on the field in that way. Especially, yeah, or, at 35, especially at 35. Or if Xavi, play, well, Xavi actually plays 4-3-3 most of the time this season. This season, yeah. But, but, but if there's one thing that we're doing is we're pressing very high and we're robbing a lot of balls in, in the opponent's half. And those like wingers that, are wide. Those, that, those, that, right, those right winger, that right winger in particular, is on the touchline, which is the opposite position that Messi picks up the ball. Also, yeah, also. So, I mean, I guess you could put him on top of the diamond. Uh, in a three-four-three, three, you can do different things, but is Paris Saint-Germain a better team now that they have Messi? I mean, that doesn't look like it. I mean, that, that's just a, based on results. Um, exactly. I, I, mean, I, I think it would also work too that you cannot play Messi and Busquets next year together. I mean, you cannot play a thirty-five-year-old Messi and a thirty-five-year-old Busquets uh, together. Impossible. It would be impossible, especially if you said about that that three-four, uh, the four-three-three with a diamond. Impossible. It would not happen. So now you're mm-hmm. choosing between Busquets and Messi. And I think people would choose Messi, but also asking, we talked about the development of Messi. Or of course, if, I mean, if Barca are going to go out and get her- Erlen Holland or whatever, if they really are committed to that idea, you cannot possibly have Ansu, Erlen Holland and Messi because that exists on FIFA. It exists on, in, in, it exists on Twitter. It exists in everybody's dreams, but it doesn't, I, I don't think that physically exists in reality. Absolutely not. Does Erlen Holland, Messi and Ansu Fadi exist in actual reality? I I don't think that Ansu Fati and Erling Haaland should be on the same pitch together. That that is the bigger issue there of those three. Ansu and Haaland should not be on the pitch together. I think that's a conversation um, for another time. Certainly. <laughs> I mean, both Ansu and Haaland at least press and defend and make up for the make make up a little bit for that lack of defense of Messi. I don't know, but yeah, th- this is my main question: Does Messi make Paris Saint Germain better? No. Is that necessarily Messi's fault? No. But if you have Messi, then uh, you need to set up your whole team to take advantage of him when you have the ball and to compensate when he does not have the ball. And that is very difficult. And we have seen that it is not easy to build around Messi because even though we won the league, um, you know, we've, we've had Messi on the pitch for three or four years in a row and absolutely got humiliated every season in Europe by Paris Saint-Germain, by Juventus, by Roma, then Liverpool, then Bayern. So I don't blame Messi for this at all. During all this time, he has been our, our best player, but I think the complexity of, uh, of football um, is that this is a sport where um, one plus one is sometimes three, and two plus two is also sometimes three. Yeah, and I think it's we're in an era too with sports where 
Um, I, I look at Tom Brady of the NFL. You look at LeBron James of the NBA, Messi, Ronaldo. You're looking at these. I mean, they th- those players right there are top two, three all time, right? Tom Brady is probably the greatest football player ever. LeBron James is mm-hmm. probably the second best player in the NBA behind Jordan forever. Uh, and then Messi and Ronaldo are easily, easily top five. And I think Messi might be number one all time players of this sport. And so the I'm not I, sure if Ronaldo is easily top five. I, that's that's another conversation. That's another uh, conversation. Another argument. Yeah. Well, somewhere in the top ten, certainly with the numbers and yeah. the so. Right. So you're talking all time, all time greatest players ever to play the game, and this idea and our our cognitive dissonance of how to separate their their waning period. There's there's never been a good way to. Uh, it's almost this thing where a devastating injury for a player in who's 33, 34 years old, they almost get let off the hook because they wind up retiring in this way that they say, oh, it's time for me to hang it up. That's it. In the way that Peyton Manning just said, that's it. I'm done. Whatever. And then again, Tom Brady and LeBron in particular, and I think to a point, I think Ronaldo almost might be doing the same thing, where the way that those men take care of their bodies now and the way that sports science is working, they're pushing that number farther and farther that we're not recognizing yet. So what we expect from Tom Brady at 44 is actually what we're expecting of some players who don't take care of themselves and don't have his brain and his skill set at 32. I can't believe I'm complimenting Tom Brady this much. It's disgusting. I'm upset. So I think we should probably end the show with one final question from Steven. This is good news. When is the merch coming out? Great question, Steven. And the way I'll, the way I'll leave that is that we are working on some really fun stuff. And you're going to see why the merch has taken so long in the next weeks or months. It just, we keep delaying, we keep delaying it, but we got some cool stuff working on. So it's, it's not forgotten. It is still being worked on in the back, in the back, uh, in the back offices, if you will. So that that's a good news. So it is still happening. It has not been forgotten. And there are some things uh, that you'll see as to why it took so long. So, all right, that, that wraps up uh, another listener question show. Levon, you did it. I think you, you knocked it out of the uh, Spotify or the Camp No Spotify, if you will. <laughs> so yeah, I hope I never have to see a baseball game there. Uh, but I, I think we've done enough. So anyway, follow Levon on Twitter. We're on Twitter too and Instagram at the Barcelona Pod. Hilton D13 for me. That's Barcelona, of course, on Twitter. Closed Facebook group is where we got these questions from. Answer the questions and get into the group. I let you in. Behave yourself. I'll keep you in. That's the Barcelona Podcast. And then Patreon is how we keep making these shows. Thanks to our new patrons this week as well. We also can, uh, you can find these without the ads over there little incentive to support the show and as i said we're on youtube i did this whole i put on a nice sweater and a collared shirt did a whole little financial thing so yeah i go all out on the video stuff and that's where the match reviews are too that's on the barcelona podcast on youtube and more importantly though thanks for listening to the podcast until next time we'll talk to you soon or mother's day is almost here And you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day from Movement. Whether your mom is into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, everything at Movement is up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale. A watch is a gift that celebrates all the time you spent with mom. And a Movement watch is even more than that. Movement uses industry-leading materials for their fresh modern watch designs, from technically complex ceramics to vintage-inspired style, all for an incredible value your wrist and wallet will both love. And with one-size-fits-all convenience and fast-free shipping and returns, it's a stress-free shopping experience. Save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with Movement. Get up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.